you have to stick with something for a long time and just have faith in yourself and, and work on it and work on it and work on it. And you'll get small wins every now and again. You know, someone will buy something or you'll get some more people on your list or, you know, that's all awesome. That's how it's supposed to be. Now, if no one signs up to your list and you're desperately trying for a year, there's something definitely wrong there. Hello and welcome to The Melting Pot. I'm your host, Dominic Monkhouse. The Melting Pot is a result of my hunger and curiosity for optimizing business performance, exploring corporate culture, customer addiction, and building high-performing teams. It's full of advice from my guests, entrepreneurs, fellow business authors, and examples from some of my work over the last few years, coaching the CEOs and leadership teams of some amazingly successful tech firms. The Melting Pot is my attempt to synthesize what I've learned along the way, to help you build a highly scalable business and realize the potential of your life's work. If you enjoy the episode, head over to monkhouseandcompany.com forward slash podcast to find today's show notes and more editions of The Melting Pot. While you're there, if you subscribe to the newsletter, you can pick up a copy of my new book, Plan B, How to Scale Your Technology Business Faster and Achieve Plan A. Enjoy. Hello. Today I'm talking to Beck Power and probably rather than this being a global strategic conversation with an author, this is a tactical how-to conversation with somebody who enables others. So Beck runs a digital agency based out of Toronto, Canada. After having spent six years as a digital nomad, and we touch on both of those things, what was their favorite country? Why Canada? Um, but today's episode is is really if you're a if you're a managing director and part of if you've listened to the episode with Daniel Priestley, and you might have read one of his books, Key Person of Influence, leads and revenue and business flows to those people in in an industry or in a niche who are key people of influence. And so today's conversation with Beck is about how would you take those first steps about building your brand and your authority, making you a key person of influence in your industry? And what's the minimal viable product? Many people have asked me, how did I get started with the podcast? What do I do? What does what does the production schedule look like? But today we're chatting to Beck about what you might need to do, what the minimum is, getting on somebody else's podcast, taking that content, amplifying that content, either yourself or using somebody like Beck. So fantastic conversation right in the weeds, looking at the detail, seeing how we could make a difference for you. Enjoy. My name is Beck Powell. I'm originally from New Zealand, as you can probably tell from my sultry accent. And I live in Toronto now. I run an agency. Uh, it's a content marketing agency. So we help people to really post content more often. Uh, we're quite prolific. We've posted thousands of pieces of content and created created and posted thousands of pieces of content. And uh, and I've uh, traveled around the world working online. I uh, was nomadic for six years, which is probably one of the more fun facts about me. I've uh, been, lived in six different countries, got a whole bunch of different bank accounts now to manage in different countries. Um, yeah, but it's been a really wild entrepreneurial ride. Fantastic. Why, why Toronto? Uh, it's, it's, it's quite well positioned. I, it's not in the US and uh, it's still in, you know, around things. I found like New Zealand, there's nothing there. You've got Antarctica, you've got some penguins. Australia is like fairly close, but no one wants to go there. Uh, and um, Toronto is good because it's, 
so, you know, it's right close to Europe. So it's not on the wrong side of Canada. You know, the other side, there's not a lot out there. Um, and my partner's here secondarily. That's important. Um, it just seems like a really good base to have while I'm building this business. Fantastic. And so who, who are, who's your target customer? Who's your target audience? Uh, that's a fun question. Lots of lots and lots of people can use what we do. So we do different campaigns. So it's mostly most of our clients are coaches, uh, but we also work with a lot of business owners, authors, speakers, people with personal brands, a lot of people who uh, have online businesses but really suck at getting things out onto social media regularly. You know, they might post once or twice, and they forget. You know, forgot LinkedIn even exists for four months. Facebook group dead. You know that type of thing. That's that's our client. And what do you do? You take over that for them, and how do you how do you work out how to authentically be them online? That's a great question, and it's really fun actually because what what we do is we take content from that they've already got. So it's things that um, you know, webinars or podcast interviews, just like this one. Actually, after you send me this link, I'm going to repurpose it into about thirty pieces and use it over a month to promote my own stuff. And your stuff, okay. which is great. We'll promote both of our stuff. And so we take uh, people's content just like that, a few hours of it every month, maybe two hours every month, and we turn that into multiple, multiple pieces of content, videos of one minute or so, audiograms, which is just a video version of an audio, and quote cards and also other types of you know uh, questions and different things that we've got from their content. So they don't actually need to do anything else. They just send us their content. We do it all. We post it all every day because it's so important that, um, you know, your clients or potential clients see you, see your face and hear your voice as often as possible so that they will be amenable when you give them an offer. And so you said uh, coaches and authors, but if you're a CEO of a small business, lots of the clients that I speak to or, or work with, the CEO is really trying to build their profile as a thought leader. So they would fall into that category as well. A hundred percent. CEOs, you know, I run, I run my business. I don't have time to do my content. I don't do any of it. I have a team that, you know, I just put my own stuff through my team. Um, and so it's not a good use of a CEO's time to be on Canva designing graphics. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a terrible idea. So usually there's not a lot going out for them uh, unless they hire someone to help. And so that's what we do. And that, when you say two hours, what, what do you mean specifically? You get they record what something to camera for two hours, or so we would use existing podcast interviews that they already have. Most people, if you think about it, you think, "Oh, I've had that podcast episode. It's somewhere. I did it four months ago, or last week, or whatever. I've got these episodes sitting somewhere on my Google Drive or Dropbox or whatever." Maybe they were doing. Uh, they have a live video show. You know, every week in their Facebook group, they do live videos. Well, that. That content can all be repurposed. Maybe they have their own podcast. The problem with a podcast, Dominic, is that you post the link, right? You take your link every week or whatever it is and you go, here's this podcast. And then, you know, four minutes later or whatever, six people have liked it and it's gone. Well, what are you going to do then? You've got to do another one next week and the exact same thing's going to happen. So what we do is pull the golden nuggets out of each episode and then we use it to keep promoting the podcast or the whatever it is that you want to promote. So you could lead people back to the original episode or you could lead them to a landing page just using these little clips. Aha. Uh-huh. And what if uh and what about starting a podcast? So a number of people who listen to this or or get the newsletter 
have said, you know, what do I do? But, you know, rather than me tell them what I do, maybe the best thing to do is get advice from an expert. What, what, if people are looking to start a podcast, what, what should they do? What's the sort of minimum viable product for them? Yeah, great question. I love minimum viable products because they're, they're the quickest to market, right? You don't have to overthink, just record something. But I, I would say first, before you start recording anything, to have a real look at the strategy. You know, are you going to do this podcast forever? That always feels like a lot to me. So I like to say, okay, <laughs> I'm going to do 25 episodes or 50 or 100 episodes and see how I feel. And that's it. There's no more pressure. Just You're just going to do this many episodes. Who are you going to interview? What will you be talking about? Is it going to be solo? You know, just look at what types of formats you might like. If you're not much of a talker and, and scared of being on, you know, being recorded, it's probably, it might not be your best idea. So um, really looking at that strategy part of it, because then later on, hopefully you're going to be using the podcast to repurpose and turn into different things, quote cards and videos and things or audiograms and things like that. Do you want to do it by video? You know, in that case, you could just get on Zoom and record your or a quick time or whatever and record yourself talking and then post that on Facebook. And that's your weekly podcast. It's, it's, it could be a podcast. Uh, you submit it on any number of the hundreds of podcast hosting platforms that there are. Boom, done. I always think I used to do stand up comedy in New Zealand, did it for um, a couple of years. And I remember my first episode, my first or, or second um, gig, I was really proud. Oh, that was awesome. And, but someone was like, you know, telling me to calm down. He's like, no, your first 50 gigs is going to be total shit. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's a bit rough. But then, you know, after your 40th one or something, you realize how crap your first two or three or 10 or 40 were. And you kind of get into, you know, you get your voice after that. So I would say, like, give it a try if you want to. And you, it doesn't have to be perfect. Realistically, not that many people are going to listen to your first three or four or ten anyway. So just you. Five. Five people listened to our first episode. Yeah, there you go. The first time we put it out. But I didn't care. I, You mm -hmm. know what? Somebody said to me, how many people listen to your episode? Some, somebody was being a bit snarky and said, how many people were listening then? I said, I don't know. I don't care. And for a long time, I didn't even look at who was listening to it because that wasn't why I was doing it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk to interesting people because, frankly, if I met you in a bar and I just asked you questions for 45 minutes, it'd be a bit rude. But somehow this means I get to talk to interesting people and just ask them questions and find out things that I'm interested in. And it doesn't appear to be rude. And people keep, guests keep coming on. So Love it. format works. Yeah. Um, Eight episodes, I think, is the average length of a podcast. So I guess lots of people start mm -hmm. and not many people get to the point where they've got, they've really won any listeners and have built any traction. Mm -hmm. um, what, um, what's a success story of somebody who started a podcast where you've got involved and, you know, where have you been able to make a difference? Well, we have people right now, you know, our clients who um, have been repurposing their podcasts. And one strategy that they're using is, um, or a couple of them are using, is to build up a real repository of content. And then what they're going to do is, even after they've, I think they must have about, I don't know, 75 or 100 episodes now. And we give them, you know, 70 or 80 pieces of content every month, each, you know, for each episode or maybe for two episodes. So that's 40 or 50 pieces per episode. I'm not great at math, but that is a lot of content that they're going to have. And now when they hit 100 episodes, I mean, if she wanted to take some time off, 
right? She could take two years off basically and still have her podcast, you know, content content going out and out and out and out and no one would be any of the wiser. Or she could just, you know, keep doing episode 100 onwards and um, post four or five times a day if she wanted to, which might sound like a lot, but it's not. Um, con- you know, content doesn't get shown to everyone at the same time or every every episode doesn't get shown to anyone, everyone. So uh, that's one strategy is to have a massive repository of content. And the other thing is that we have a lot of clients get a lot of success from when we post for them, we're posting daily, right? And it's all repurposed stuff. There's not a lot of new stuff. So you might be like, well, what's the point? I'm not getting a lot of, you know, no one's buying anything and no one's, not a lot of people are going to my website or engaging. That's not the point. If you think about your email list and, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in this position, but I've had email lists where I totally dropped the ball and didn't email anyone for six months, right? No (laughs) one's on there. It's a disaster. I'm like, oh, can't write to these people now. It's embarrassing. And you, you know, you send out an email because you, you need, you need to do a launch. You're doing a launch or something like that. And you're, you're launching a new product and half of them unsubscribe because they forgot that they even signed up. But it's the same concept with social. If you're only popping up when you need to sell something, no, no one's going to be all like, you know, amenable to that idea. But if, if you email them or, or, you know, the equivalent on social, if you email them, now I email my list twice a week religiously. And I know that once I have something to offer, people are going to be much more into the idea because they've been, you know, I've been building trust with them. And it's the same thing with, on, with posting daily on social media on whichever platform you're on, you know that you've built this, uh, people can see your face and hear your voice every day. So when you offer something, they'll be, oh, that's, I know who she is. I'm going to buy this thing. It's, it works every time. And we've had a lot of success with that. So four, four times a day on each platform. <laughs> so like. So my social media team posts that many times for me. And that's because we're just yeah. getting started. This is my MVP, right? It's like four times a day on four platforms. It's a lot. Well, I know it's the reason I was asking the question is because I, I am thinking that people listening might be in their car thinking, did she say four? And, and of course I was talking to somebody, I was talking to a client today and he said, Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn now. I'm posting every day once Mm. on LinkedIn. And I said, what are you using any tools? And he said, no, I'm just going onto LinkedIn and posting once a day. And it, as you say, like most people aren't spending their time in the feed in LinkedIn or in Instagram all the time and say, unless you're posting multiple times, you don't, there's no chance of getting it much passing traffic. That's true. And I still think that posting once a day is, actually, this is funny that you mentioned that because I think a lot of people think, well, if I'm not posting 10 times a day and my business isn't like, you know, this amazing Gary Vaynerchuk model business with all this stuff going, that's going to be over here one day and I'm not there now, but one day I will be. But they're still not posting at all. Like it's do something. It's better than nothing, right? So I think it's not a binary thing. It's literally like you've said, when you um, when you start a podcast, you know that it's not going to go to that many people. You know you're going to have to get better and practice and, and you know work on your interviewing skills and work on any tech stuff and build landing pages and uh, show notes and all those types of things. Well, you're not going to do that on the first episode. It's all terrifying. You just want to start something. And as long as you're consistent, things get better and better. And I think that's the same with any type of content. You just start and maybe you, you maybe you post once a week to start because that's the best that you can do. Great. That's better than nothing. 
And uh, if you if you keep doing that and maybe you do it daily and then you're twice daily and then you add another platform, it's all uh, it's not binary. It's definitely um, all about the progress. And if you if you were a business, where where are you finding the most success as a for businesses at the moment? Well, certainly uh, it depends on your industry because some people uh, do really well on um, you know Instagram and wouldn't be on LinkedIn, for example. You know, TikTok is a big thing right now. I don't, I haven't done, I haven't got a lot of the data, but I know people who are absolutely killing it on there because their audience is on there and they've figured out how to find them. Any business is only as good as the um, the hole that they're fishing in, right? So if you're fishing in the wrong part of the lake, there's some Canadian metaphors for you. If you're fishing in the wrong (laughs) part of the lake, you won't catch the fish. There's just no fish. Your fish are not there. You know, you're fishing with the wrong bait or whatever it is. But if you've got the right, if you're in the right place and there's a lot of your audience there, then that's the thing to try. If you keep on, you know, some people just keep on fishing in the wrong part of the lake. I'm like, what are you doing? Get into the other part where all your people are. And so it's about finding that and finding where, you know, which platform suits your audience. You do not have to be on every platform. That is not a strategy that I recommend. Um, when you're just starting out, especially it's overwhelming. Who's got like time to be on eight different platforms and figuring out their branding on each one and posting, especially with things like Twitter, where you post it and seven seconds later, it's gone. Like you never, like it never happened. So really picking the right, um, platform based on your, you know, your industry and where your audience are is is important. And, uh, is there any tooling you think people should do i mean is there things that you use or you recommend that sit on top of the platforms that make it a little bit easier you can use third-party posting tools things like um i don't even know what they're all called now hootsuite agora pulse like all the automatic posting ones and that buffer that does make it easier of course it makes it easier and like i said if you have to use that to start do that. That's what I did for a little while. I was like, listen, I'm never going to get this content out the door the way that I'm doing it. I'm just going to shove it all into Buffer and hope for the best. And at some point later on, I thought, okay, I've got an assistant now. She knows what she's doing. She's ready for some more stuff to do. So I will now, you know, give her all of this stuff. And now she posts it natively. And we do that for all of our clients. We post all our content natively. What that means is that um, we upload it straight to the platform without using a third-party tool. And the reason for that is potentially just a myth, but I actually think it's true, is that the algorithm favors things that are uploaded natively, all the algorithms across all the platforms. If It's much better and they'll show it to more people if it's uploaded natively. Do you got a sense of how much better? Just, you know, so that, you know, just just thinking... How much, how much does that, how much content and how much does that assistant have to cost me versus using a tool? Um, well, 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 I don't have a statistic. If I had to guess, I'd say 20% better from my own experience. So it makes, it makes sense for me to, um, you know, my assistant posts for all of our clients. So she's the only one that logs in as them on Instagram and Facebook profile groups, pages, not all platforms log into all the things. So, you know, it's a bit of a search to find the right one. Um, I I mean, I've had success with Buffer and Hootsuite. 
uh, and Agora Pulse. Those are the those are the three that I mentioned. I also use AppSumo quite a lot to find different deals and things like that on those types of softwares. So sometimes you can snag a lifetime deal for forty bucks or something, which is good. Okay. Yeah, and we've been using SmarterQ because mm-hmm. that that helps you buffer evergreen content. Yeah, that's one of the most important things I think because. You know, reusing your content, like I said, it's there for seven seconds and it's gone. Well, you can use it again in two weeks and no one will be any the wiser. And you haven't, it's one less thing that you have to create. So not only do we repurpose things by pulling out bits of content, but we reuse those every two or three weeks as well. Okay. And so the, uh, what's the process? I mean, I send you a two hour video Mm -hmm. a month. What what do you do? How do you turn that into something that people want to read and find useful? Yeah, if, so, you know, I mean, there are some people who send me stuff and I just think you've, it looks like you've gone to some trouble, but it's just drivel. You know, it's like, it's, it, you know, like you get this, and you, you know, you get, you, you, you see something and you sign up and you say, okay, this will be interesting. And then, I don't know, you get the third one and you think, oh, they just, I don't know, somebody somewhere thinks that sending drivel is useful. And they've, they've, do you know what I mean? They've, they've, probably done 80% of the work they just the words don't make it right all the rest of it it looks beautiful it's sent out in a timely way Mm -hmm. just just a human being who cares hasn't actually written it oh that's unfortunate well I think there's two different things there because you've got social content which is the daily content that I'm talking about and that's all the golden nuggets from your actual content so um so in our case someone goes through and actually finds those you know out of context, does it make sense? Um, is it less than a minute? Uh, does it is it valuable to people? Because within, you know, even though this podcast episode that we're doing now is obviously amazing and everyone who's listening is, you know, inspired, like there's really only eight great things that I'll say and the, everything else kind of, you know, is extra, right? So instead of someone listening through the whole thing, you can pull out those eight things and go, okay, these are the the golden nuggets, um, and then we use those on social. But what you're talking about is if you've signed up for something and somebody then sends you that stuff, which is totally different type of content, and that person should be ashamed if they're not really send- if they're not sending out something that's valuable because that's when you sign up for something, it's a lot different than if you just saw it when you're scrolling on social media. And so, do you are you doing uh, newsletter content for clients as well? We we don't currently do that. We only do. Um, daily we post daily social content i'm really staying in my lane here yeah no no link back to a podcast or or you know that they're doing or podcast interviews they're on or uh talks that they're doing Mm -hmm. okay yeah that makes sense so you would send me the two episodes and then we have i have nine people on my team now it's growing all the time and we have um a really great workflow that we go through so somebody highlights all the golden nuggets, somebody else clips them out on, um, you know, in a video software. We've got somebody doing designs. You know, we do your branding and design on everything. Uh, and then we put the, all of the, someone else puts all of those together and puts them on a calendar. Then you check that calendar, go, yep, that all looks good. And we're good for like a month or two, depending on how much content we've got out of it. And you also get people on podcasts, don't you? So if people haven't got one, you help people get, on other people's shows so that that then you know somebody's then interviewing them if if standing and talking to camera sounds like a terrifying thing to do you know is it is it hard to get people on shows i mean do i have to have 
something to talk about? Um, good question. Yeah, uh, it's not it's not hard to get someone booked on a show. I always find I'm um, my job really, and my team's job is to really manage rejection. Like that's what we're doing, right? Because we uh, we apply to about a hundred podcasts on behalf of you know on your behalf. We apply to all these different podcasts and. 90 people reject us. Either they don't write back or they say no or they say you've made a mistake, this is not what we do. And I'm like, whoops, sorry. <laughs> so um, it's it's that, 90 of those. And so we're managing all those rejections because you know if somebody, most people apply for one or two a month max and then they feel terrible if they never get heard back from and so they go, oh, this is pointless, I'm not going to try this anymore. But So we manage all of that and we get people, you know, between five and ten podcasts a month. Uh, it's not difficult to get them on there it doesn't matter really the level of experience I've had total newbies who've never been on a podcast before you know go on five in a row and get totally overwhelmed but they figure it out really quickly and then they're getting asked back again the second time so they're starting to really get the hang of it and people obviously who have a lot of experience but don't have the time to do all the outreach uh, we we manage that for them too and so it at, at, a, at one level it it sort of doesn't matter from from your content sort of amplification amplification perspective. It doesn't matter that the podcast I go on doesn't have a huge reach because what it gives your team is that then it gives your team or or if you're doing it yourself, it gives you the audio stream, the show notes, something to build on uh, to try and build your credibility as a thought leader and a personal brand. Exactly, and that's why I always laugh when I see. I mean, it's not it's like laughing, sad laughing, like when people have podcasts that they are just, you know, they're so worried about the number of people on it. Well, that's not what you even, the, the, the people who are going to hear this podcast, that's only half of the bonus of doing this podcast with you because I can use the content forever. It's just I could leverage it. I could hopefully put your logo on my site somewhere or brag about doing the interview or um, there's all types of leverage that I can get from doing these things. Fab, what question haven't I asked you? Whew. Um, what is it? What is it? What is what is that eighth nugget? Well, um, so we've talked about strategy a little bit, and we've talked about the leverage a bit, but the middle bit is the action. So um, the question is, what types of content am I creating to build authority? Because um, we've got the authority platform, which is a podcast, a video interview series, a Q and A, whatever you want it to be, and we've got the chopping it into pieces. So the middle bit really is what types of content are there. Um, and I do, I teach four types of content. Listen, there's probably more, but this is what I, this is what I have found. Um, you know, people want to hear, people need to hear and see you in different ways in order to get, go from, oh, I've never heard of this person to, uh, this is someone that I really need to do business with. So the four things are, um, you know, firstly, personal content, a picture of you and your dog, uh, you know, maybe something about your cats leading a double life, whatever it is that, that people will feel identif they identify with you personally on a personal level. The second thing is values. So, you know, Black Lives Matter or women's rights or whatever it is that you strongly believe because when you have polarizing opinions like that, what happens is people will, um, you know, either be for you or against you and, and there'll be enough people for you to build your audience. And I think that's such important an important type of content. The third one is frameworks. So it's things like um, one thing I teach is the five Ps. 
all the three C's or the, you know, all these different types of kind of mini frameworks that you teach within your business. And then the last one is bridging content. And that's the type of thing that they've seen all this content, but a lot of times people's brains don't recognize that they actually need to work with you. They just say, oh, this is really great. And so bridging content is things like case studies or um, testimonials or reviews or things like that that help their brains go, oh, actually this would work for me. And so those are the four types. And that's you help transition from the top all the way through or you're helping people create, create so things like case mm-hmm. studies. Are you helping people create the case studies? Or are you saying to your clients, you're going to need a case study here? Can we get one? How can we get one? Yeah, uh, both of those. So within the AMP90 um, content, which is where we post daily on, on your behalf, that is just only um, personal framework bridging a bit of values. It's kind of everything, but it's really light. It's like brand awareness stuff, right? It's only for it's only for people to know. It's not like no calls to action really or things like that. Uh, but other stuff that we do, so I have an academy actually that where we teach all this stuff for people who aren't really ready to invest in somebody to do all of this stuff for them. And so within the academy, I've got these, um, for example, Canva templates, which come in those four categories, right? They come in those four categories and uh People can like log into Canva, grab the templates and go, okay, which one of these do I want? I want a testimonial uh, template. And then they just drop their testimonial in, change the colors, add their logo, export. They're ready to have something on social media. So instead of spending six hours a week on Canva trying to figure out what the hell's going on, you can just jump in and um, add your colors and, and your photo and things like that. And it's done. You can export it really quickly. So that's why I built those for the exact reason of creating, you know, faster content more effectively. Fab. I, I mean, I can, now that we've gone past a hundred episodes of this podcast. Congrats. Um, and to your point about, to your point about, you know, people listening to it, I'm, I now get people emailing me or contacting me on LinkedIn. And I can tell that they think they know me because they've listened to, I don't know, 10 episodes or whatever, or they reference something in the book. And that is so different from several years ago where, you know, if you did speak to somebody, they didn't know anything about you and they didn't know what well, they didn't know whether they liked you or mm-hmm. not. Now, by the time people contact me, you know, they have decided that they want to work with me. And that <laughs> that's the reason that we did it in the first place. And so it's great that it's the things that you're saying, you know, we are, we see every day here. So Perfect. Um, Beck, what is it that you know now that you wish you'd known earlier? Well, there's definitely one big thing that sticks out, and that is um, to stay with one idea. Keep working on the same thing, the one thing, um, and, and keep making it better incrementally because I spent so many years, by so many I mean like six or seven, which is a lot, prancing around the world, trying to start different businesses, doing different things. If something didn't really work the first time or I didn't have 100 people sign up for something, I'd go, oh, this is crap. Let me try something else. And um, that really cost me, you know, it cost me time, money, energy, self-esteem. You know, I really felt like this, I was just looking for the right thing. And people tried to warn me, by the way. I totally ignored all advice. Um, I, I totally ignored 
that you have to stick with something for a long time and just have faith in yourself and, and work on it and work on it and work on it. And you'll get small wins every now and again. You know, someone will buy something or you'll get some more people on your list or, you know, that's all awesome. That's how it's supposed to be. Now, if no one signs up to your list and you're desperately trying for a year, there's something definitely wrong there. Was Canada the most fun place you lived along the way? I mean, you told me why you're there, but is it? No, no. Um, I really enjoyed Mexico. I was, I've been there for about a year on and off. Uh, in Thailand, I lived for um, about two and a half years on and off. Um, like there's so many great experiences and places uh, that I've um, seen, been to. It's been really incredible. Um, Japan was one of my favorites. Spain, I mean, you know, they're all great. <laughs> Pretty much everywhere except Canada, actually. I don't know why I'm here. No. Yeah, you like the rain. Yeah, that's it. It, remind, it reminds you of home. That's right. The minus 27 <laughs> degree temperatures is what I love. Yeah. <laughs> um, Beck, what, uh, what books should people pick up and have a look at? What, what have you read along the way that you think has changed your life or been inspirational or, or even that are guides to people wanting to do more with their content? Yeah, for sure. Well, um, the books that I think are really good, my top three um, that pop into my head right now, there's they're not really about content, but they're about what is behind the content, you know. So um, I'm a big mindset advocate. Uh, and so most books that I read are about mindset and have been for uh, years. I'm an addict. Uh, my <laughs> partner has to force me to read books that are not self-help books. But um, I would say The One Thing is uh, – oh, the guy's name's escaping me right now. The One Thing is definitely, you know, that's – really taught me a lot about what the thing I just talked about. Um, and then the other two are by the same guy, Gay Hendricks, um, Conscious Loving, which is the best one for relationships that I've ever found, and um, The Big Leap, which helps people to kind of stop putting a ceiling on what they're, what they're doing, right? So kind of breaking through where they are stuck and getting to the next level. Fantastic. Beck, that's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much indeed for your time with us today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. If you'd be kind enough to leave a review, it will really help other like-minded entrepreneurs find this podcast and grow our community. For all information relating to this episode, you can go to monkhouseandcompany.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find some cracking show notes, additional reading and links relating to our guest. There you can also find my blog and past episodes of my subjectively not crap newsletter, where I'll update you on the best articles I read that week, some recommended books and other podcasts. Thanks, and I will see you next week.